0: Hi and thanks for tuning in to Public Safety Now on Hexagon Radio. I'm your host John Whitehead, Vice President of Sales for US Public Safety at Hexagon Safety and Infrastructure Division. Today we've got two guests joining us and I think it's going to be a good conversation. We're going to be talking about leadership in a crisis event. I think it's it's extremely important topic as we, you know, go through into our world, our emergency services world because you know, these crises pop up at unexpected oh. times. And it really comes down to the leadership and those that are, that are bringing in the troops, if you will, and how they react to it as to sometimes the successful outcome uh, of these crises. So I've got two people, as I said, that's going to be joining me today. The first one's Tony Harrison. He's the president of the public safety group. He has over 30 years of public safety communication experience. I've also got Chris Carver. Chris Carver is director of the East for Hexagon Public Safety and both of these guys come with years of background. I won't get into that. I will let them give themselves um, their introduction. So, Tony, why don't we start with you? You want to tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Good morning, John. Uh, like you said, I've been in public safety a long time, uh, worked in small, medium, and large um, agencies. A good part of my time was at the uh, Oklahoma City Police Department. And uh was there 25 years ago during the uh, bombing of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building and uh, was on-duty shift supervisor uh, during that
0: incident. Welcome. Yeah, no, that's, um, well, yeah, you, you, you've definitely been there and done that and, and managed through a crisis. Chris, you want to give us a little bit about
2: your background? Yeah, sure. Thank you. I've uh, been with Hexagon about a year. I'm proud to be the director of our East team. Prior to that, I spent a significant amount of time in public safety, starting as a fire UMS dispatcher in central Ohio, and then working uh, for the New York City Fire Department where I was fortunate to go from dispatcher uh, up to director of FDNY Fire Dispatch Operation. I was there from about 2000 to 2015, so worked through a variety of events that uh, that all of you listeners probably know well, uh, ranging from, uh, unfortunately, 9-11 to the blackout of 2003 and Superstorm Sandy uh, and some others.
0: Great. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. And I get the honor you and I get to work together on a daily basis. So um, we've talked about a lot of these, uh, a lot of these items over many dinners, I think over the last year or so. So, uh, you know, listen, I'm looking forward to this conversation again, just to, just to talk about, first of all, let me just say, you know, I know that it's, that it's all about the people that are sitting in the chair doing that day-to-day job. I know that, that, that is so important, but one of the areas that, that this topic is really focusing is, is on the leadership, because I think that, you know, know as a dispatcher i'm focused on my role i'm focused on exactly what i'm supposed to do but the the supervisor level and that leadership level is so important to make sure that you know if i look at it like as a director of the band all of the instruments have their place but when they all come together man it really makes some beautiful music there so been in these types of roles during challenging periods how important do you think leadership is during those
2: times Yeah, sure, John. So the first thing um, really that I think is fundamental for anyone that's in a position of of leadership to understand is that it's even more than normal in a time like this where the odds are everybody inside that center has concerns about their family and their friends and their own personal health and overcoming, you know, whatever that event is, it, it has to be the first focus of anyone in a position, a formal position of leadership to really care first and foremost about the people on their team and make sure they're supported. There are a variety of forms that can take, uh, everything from making sure that there's provisions for food to make sure there's provisions for accommodation, say for example, if you're stuck at a center during a hurricane, uh, all the way up to ensuring that there are mental health services available later on or potentially during a long-term incident. Whatever those needs are, Really, as, the, as an event progresses, both in duration and complexity, those that are in leadership roles inside an organization have to understand that it's people first one hundred percent. And that no none of the operations gonna be effective if we don't keep a very close watch on the needs and condition of those on our teams who are actually doing uh, the day to day work. It has to be about them first, or else we can't serve the public or do the rest of our very important mission. Tony, what do you what do you think about that from your experience?
1: Yeah, I think you're right on and, and I think one of the keys that we have to remember is there's a difference between leadership and management Uh, you know i manage the schedule i lead people and where people uh, come into problems is when we try to manage the people instead of lead uh people and leadership is about all all positions uh, all roles in the communication center and and working major events through my career is always interesting for me and I've, i've also studied you know many many more is the true leaders are not necessarily the highest ranking person that's in the room uh usually it's somebody that steps up someone else that steps up and takes that leadership role uh during a crisis to to show the way to show the path to to lead the organization through uh times of trouble
0: I think that's a good point, Tony, and one of the things I'd I'd throw in there is just that, you know, in my time at the comm center, you you can lead without having a title, meaning that, you know, you don't have to be a shift supervisor, you don't have to be a comm director, you don't have to be a chief to be a leader, and I think that, you know, even within a, if you've got just a fire dispatch group, and they're segregated from the police dispatch or the call-taking area, during a, a large incident or during a time of crisis, you'll see even different dispatchers that's, that lead just their their small little team there uh, through what's going to happen. You may have new dispatchers. They're going to need the leadership skills of a senior dispatcher. And I think it's important, one of the areas that you just said, you don't have to be the titled person. It doesn't always come down to just the supervisor on shift or the comm director. It can be any of us that can
2: step up and lead. Yeah, John, and if I may add, one of the most important things that senior folks can do, those that have been there before, is, and it sounds so simple, but is to remind those that are newer and maybe even some other senior folks that just need a reminder that we'll get through this, that understanding that we have faced We faced challenging days before we faced really hard times before, but sometimes the most important thing you can do is, is quite literally pat somebody on the back or, you know, just say, Hey, we got this. We've been through this before and we can do it again. And, you know, the reality is if you ask a group of 911 dispatchers or supervisors or or responders in the field, Hey, what was your worst day? Well, did you ever think at that morning of that day that that was gonna happen? Did you wake up and think that there was gonna be some massive fire or a bus accident or a tornado or some other really devastating thing? Most of the time, people, of course, don't think that, but then five or six or 10 years later, they can look back and they can realize that along with their coworkers, that they were able to do really great things. And, and that's really what it's about. And so sometimes just reminding everyone of what we're capable of and that it's so much more than maybe we assume, uh, that's really, I think, a powerful tool of leadership to your point, no matter what your role is.
0: No, I can I completely agree. Tony, you know, in some of your past you've you've done some pretty big crisis and been in a leadership position during those times. What are some what are some things that you found uh, as far as stepping up and leading?
1: You know, one of the uniquenesses of what we are in the middle of right now with the coronavirus outbreak is the differences between We have a major incident, an officer-involved shooting, a a firefighter that is down that's going to last hours. This incident is going to last months. How many months, we don't know. But it is going to tax organizations and the leadership of organizations to really keep things in check. Because of the way information spreads in this day and and, and environment that we are in social media and the truth information and the false information that spreads. I, I think one of the roles of leadership in this specific crisis is going to separate fact from fiction to keep people on. Here's what's the facts as we know them today. And those are going to change day by day. But, you know, we once had a tuberculosis scare in our center and it went from one of our dispatcher's daughters had tested positive for the uh, initial test from, oh my gosh, the daughter has TB, the dispatcher has TB, she's come to work and has now infected the entire shift with TB. And it took one of us, uh, it took me to go to the State Department of Health and talk to the person in charge of infectious diseases for the entire state and run this scenario and, and, and have them tell me, no, that's that's not possible, you know, and, and tell me the facts of TB and how TB is spread and then take this back to people and say, no, she does not have TB She's, you know, nobody here has been exposed to TV uh, and that becomes critical of leaders. Uh, as as Chris said, you know, taking care of our people in so many different ways and and leading through the next 30 days, 90 days or however long this is going to take.
2: Hey, uh, yeah. If I can if I could add Tony on to what Tony just said, it's not it. In order to be successful at this time, we need the facts, we need the information, but there's another skill set that dispatchers have that is really important, and and it's prevalent throughout public safety when it's encouraged, I think, and that's creativity. As Tony mentioned, this potentially could be a very long-duration event. That means we are going to have to think outside the box. So you're already seeing some 911 centers think about what do we do to split our operations so that God forbid if there's a contamination, we don't have um, we don't lose our entire our entire workforce well that that concern about resiliency and redundancy of systems that should honestly be a consideration of 911 24/7 365 especially in a world of cybersecurity threats which could also knock out an operation for a long period of time uh, major weather disasters say for example a flooding event that could take out your 911 center so this whole idea of we need to be creative. We need to think, hey, how could we do XYZ? And when you know what's going on and you have the facts, you can do some really great things when you bring together dispatchers who inherently are creative folks. They're, they are responsible for interpreting caller information to get really great results in terms of the responses that we send or identify potential needs for responders. Now, I'll give you an example from the fire service community. We have a local uh, fire department near me in central Ohio that, concerned about contaminating their workforce, turned up a new substation of their fire department so they could split their operations in 48 hours from concept to implementation, and now they have half their department working out of a community center area uh, in Worthington, Ohio, that's been adapted to the use uh, for that use. So that amazing level of when you have the information, like Tony mentioned, and you know what the potential is, now you can put your heads together and and really start to figure out, hey, how can we potentially make this uh, a more effective event for responders in nine one one a al- lot for field responders and nine one one alike, and and you're starting to see some really great things. And the one thing. I would add to that is that it's really important for us to capture those, for us to to document what it is we do, because the challenges can happen again in a different form. So as the nation comes together and we all start figuring out ways to solve these problems and get creative and show leadership and action, uh, I want to make sure that everyone knows we should really be documenting what we do too, because you might solve a problem that someone else doesn't even know they have yet. Yeah, I think what we're saying here is this this is a marathon, not a sprint.
0: And I think that what we plan for in public safety is normally those sprints, right? We plan for the fifth alarm working fire. We plan for what-if type of scenarios. And then whenever something, you know, a major event comes in that doesn't fit that mold, it can really throw us off. But I think that as long as we, to your point, kind of focus on just focus on the event and understand that this thing is going to be a marathon and it's not going to be over quickly. Um, we can learn from this. We will grow from this. And I'm actually kind of excited at the end of the next several, three, four, six months, whatever this is, some of the best practices that come out of this as we prepare for the future. So no, it, it, it's, it's definitely good ideas. You know, it's interesting. I found some I found some leadership type of steps, right? Leading your team. And there, there's a handful of items out there. The first one that I that I found said, take care of yourself first. As we talked about this being a marathon, you know, great leaders and people are going to come in and they're going to be like, I'm here. I can work the overtime. I can sit behind the desk. I can, I can run the shift. I can do this. And you throw yourself into this thing mentally, emotionally, physically, you throw yourself into it. The problem is that only lasts so long. We've got to take care of ourselves first. And that was one, one of the rules that I found as a leader. I think that, it, that it, it really plays well. Don't be afraid to know when to say when. Let someone else step in. You step back and take care of yourself. Any thoughts on, on self-preservation?
1: Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right, John. Uh, we have to take care of ourselves. And so many of our people in this industry are by nature caregivers. They like to take care of others. And many times they take care of others at their own expense. And you were so right in, in saying we have to practice self-care. And I think part of that, you know, we go to what Chris was talking and what you're talking about is we gotta remember to have fun during this next however many days or months this last. You know, if we're breaking up comp centers, and I know an agency in Florida that they have a plan to activate a backup center and they're going to be working out of two centers live, then, you know, let's have some fun because, you know, that can be scary. It can be scary to the frontline people that we're doing this and, oh, my gosh, you know, um, so-and-so is going to get infected or we're all going to get infected or, you know, whatever the issue is 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 to remember to have fun you know do we have a shift in or do we do we do something to remember to just enjoy the time take care of ourselves uh as we walk through this
0: yeah you're right because you know having a shift full of people that that are sick or burnt out or just exhausted definitely doesn't doesn't that's not a long-term plan i know my local dispatch center here they did a really cool thing they just announced uh yesterday i believe they were saying that they're going to open their backup center. They're going to separate their shifts into both, both areas, their primary center and their backup center. And then that allows them to get a little social distancing, if you will, between the dispatchers to so where they're not sitting on top of each other. I thought that was a cool thing, right? Because now, not only am I taking care of, you know, handling all the incidents that are coming in, I'm, I still have the same number of staff. But now I've got them spread out into two centers and it gives them a little bit of distance to where they're not feeling because, you know, it, some of this is a mental game, too. Right. If I'm sitting next to somebody and they're coughing and sneezing and I'm trying to do my job, it's a tough it's a tough thing to do. And having that type of leadership and the ability to to look at this differently, I thought it was a great thing when I
2: saw him post that. Yeah. Uh, John, if I could add to to what you both are talking now about, there's another uh Difficult personality trait that sometimes happens with public safety professionals and sometimes maybe uh, maybe not quite stating it as much as it does happen. But we also have a a propensity for wanting to be people that can handle it no matter what. You know, we can overcome this. We can we can lead the charge and we're iron women and iron men and and we got this and. You know, I'll just share an experience that I'm aware of that that happened in a large city after a major disaster a few years ago, where uh, a large number of dispatchers were impacted by it. It was a really complex situation, and some of the most the tragic aftereffect of that was that there were leaders that dismissed the need to look out for their people, that dismissed the human side of that equation, and. It was one of the saddest things I've ever heard to hear people whose job it, it was to look out for their teams to say, oh, they don't need a counselor or they don't need any help or we got this all on our own or, you know, we don't need to reach out to anybody else. We, we got this. It's going to be just fine. And, and the reality was it wasn't just fine. And it took a very long time for anybody to realize that and because of that, it was delayed. So people didn't even with the little steps like having fun on the, on the tour and finding ways to kind of blow off steam just a little bit and share your experiences all the way up to engaging professionals who could come in and support the public safety professionals who were going through a really challenging time. And then beyond that to, in this case actually providing assistance for those who had had um, their, their family homes destroyed or damaged and, and other financial impacts. So, it is so imperative for us to sometimes put our pride on the side to really do what's best for everyone. And thankfully, there's been a lot of developments over the last few years, and we've actually done another uh, podcast as part of this series on this topic. But it, it connects with leadership quite, quite well, and that's looking out for our people in a way that actually um, recognizes what it is they're going through and also recognizes the resources that are available and why it's so important. So just to follow on to Tony's point, that's something to always, whatever your leadership role is in, and also to Tony's point earlier, that's a leadership role that everyone has, no matter what your rank or official position. We all have an obligation to look out for each other inside the center, especially during periods like this. The other
0: rule that I, that I saw here and I really thought st- stood out, and it's something that that I've continued to live my my managerial world in since I've started managing, is be transparent with employees. You know, bad news is is not easy to share. Uh, you know, as a leader, you're always wanting to be positive, you're wanting to keep people pumped up and keep things going. But you know what? Sometimes things are gonna fall apart. Sometimes the plan has to change because of a reason. Being transparent and sharing with the team the information that you can share, I think is important. I think it shows the mark of a true leader, someone who's not afraid to get up there and say, hoorah, we're doing great. But also not be afraid to be the first one to say, here's where we're going to have to alter our course. Have you guys seen that in some of these areas? Because I'm assuming you've worked pretty major deals where they haven't been perfect from the beginning. And how does good leaders, how can they be transparent with their employees?
1: You know, John, you're right about, you know, we have to
0: communicate. We
1: have to communicate inside the communication center that information flows from all levels of the organization, from the top um, to the frontline telecommunicator, the frontline, uh, officer, the frontline dispatcher, you know, we have to, what I call the movement of information during these events is, is huge. It's one of the most important things we do.
0: It really is, you know, because as I'm sitting there at a a workstation and, you know, I, I see things going on. Maybe we've got the EOC in our center. You see really important people walking by that window. You're seeing things going on. It is frustrating because I've been there. It is frustrating sitting in the room, handling your next call, handling your next call, maybe working on that large incident and not getting updates. Not that I thought I needed to know everything. But what's happening is really the the key that's going into your own mind. And I think it gives a piece to the group to share that, you know, to be communicating, to be sharing data that you can share and allow everybody to be part of that process.
2: Chris, any thoughts? Yeah, John, there's another important direction of information uh, along this same topic. It's not just sharing sort of the situational awareness and what's actually happening downward through your teams and making sure that everyone knows. It's also making sure that public safety communications shares upward into the organization. This is a time where policies written, and I know everybody on this that's listening to this, that's worked in the center is gonna nod their head right now. This is a time where those policies that are written by ops folks with little understanding of how 911 works really can do some serious damage. So, if for those that are listening or those that are involved in this, that are actually in a police, fire, and EMS field responsibility management or leadership, this is the time to absolutely engage with the folks that are in the 911 center and run by them ideas about how to make sure that you can get the right information in to trigger a policy. For example, um, understanding exactly what questions are asked as part of a call-taking script that perhaps an agency uses IED or critical, or I'm sorry, critical is a bad example, power is what I'm going to say, or someone else, or APCO meds or whoever. The agencies need to be on the same page with their 911 folks because from minute one, the entire information about an event is starting with that phone call. And for any policy or procedure or situational awareness to happen, it really requires everybody to be on the same page about how it works, what can be asked, and what can be reasonably expected to be ascertained from a phone call. So, we ran into that in New York with the Ebola response, which was, you know, there was a great policy, but that policy was sort of built on a, on a certain belief of how much data we would get from a caller. Well, that wasn't really realistic. And in the cases where we got calls from passerby, who had no awareness of the person that was now laying on the street, that was a substantial risk. So, Absolutely. There has to be an information sharing sort of culture that has to arise from this event and hopefully will continue that encourages 911 uh, leadership to be at the same table as your emergency managers, police, fire, EMS, law enforcement uh, and beyond to ensure that there's a holistic understanding of what's going on in the community. And then that gives us better information to share with all of our field responders and ultimately with the public as well. No, Yeah, I get get it. Go ahead, Tony.
1: If if I could jump in, John, it's what I call when policy kills. When we don't have that movement that Chris was talking about, we end up getting policies that are not effective. And if we don't have the right people to understand, hey, wait a minute, this policy was thinking A, B, C, I am now confronted with D, E, F. Am I empowered on the front line or the front line supervisor to go, wait a minute, they wrote this policy uh, for Ebola thinking about this. I am now confronted with this. If I follow this policy, I can put this person in potential uh, danger. Uh, what do we need to do? And, and he, you know, Chris is right on about if we are not moving the information up, down and side to side, we end up getting into problems. And then, you know, even if we are moving the information in an open organization like it needs to be, sometimes we are going to write policy that we were thinking, A, and then all of a sudden, because our world is what it is, we are confronted with something that nobody ever thought about when writing that policy. And then we empower people to make a decision that is in the best interest of public
0: safety, even though it may be contrary to the way the policy was conceived. A lot of good policy has been written just because of the changes that are needed right during the times. I mean, I think that that's uh, what I'm hearing there is, you know, yeah, it's great to have policy. And as Chris said, we need to be sharing those across the organization. But I think that as we go through new events, new crisis, things that come up, those policies are fluid. We have to be able to willing to change. I think that that's that's the key point there that I'm hearing what you're saying there, Tony. So, guys, as we kind of wrap this thing up, I got one more question for you. And I just want you guys to share a little bit on both sides. So, uh, Tony, why don't we start with you on this one? I'm looking for any advice you might have. What are some things that you might tell public safety working through a large crisis like this uh, and any advice you may give them? You know, there are events that change us forever. And for some people, this event
1: will be it, uh, whatever that event is for you. In the aftermath of these events, we go back and we find our new sense of normalcy. And that is sometimes something we have have to actively go out and find. Uh, And for some people, it takes days. For some people, it takes weeks. For some people, it takes years. But whatever the effect of whatever incident is, and if it has changed you forever, understand that you can't go back to the way it was before the incident, because this incident has happened and it will change you forever. And do your work to find your new sense of normalcy. And I think that was not only as a person, but as a supervisor and a leader, one of the most important lessons I've learned. Uh, after some of uh, of events that I've experienced,
0: yeah, good point, Chris.
2: No, i I would echo largely uh, what Tony just said, and in the sense that for those that are working uh, during this period, no matter what your role inside public safety, uh, understand that that this can be gotten through. This will be overcome, that no matter how uh, frustrating, no matter how scary, no matter how, Uh, Traumatic is probably the word, that this experience may be inside your agency, that, that there will be a new normal, that there will be a place on the other side of this. It will, in fact, be different, but... You're not alone. We're all going to go through this together and we're all going to find whatever that new normal is after this event. Just like we found it after any of the other events that every single person that's listening to this has had that worst day. And they had what it was before then, and they have what it is after. And, you know, change is the scariest thing in the world. Uh, In fact, I had a doctor on a plane once tell me that that the only person in the entire world that likes change is a baby with a wet diaper. And I think she was right. And especially in times that are tragic and times that are um, of this scale, then that change can be especially terrifying. But we all have the honor and the privilege of being in the positions that we're in right now, helping to to make this a little bit better. It's not gonna be ideal, it's not gonna be perfect. There's gonna be a whole lot of stops and starts along the way and probably some very frustrating meetings and frustrating shift meetings and some technical things that maybe don't work and glitches and all this other kind of stuff. But the reality is, is that everybody that's involved in public safety during this time uh, is is in a position of need, is in a position of responsibility to serve their community, uh, their fellow public safety professionals and those who are in need of help. And we've done it before and we will do it again. And there are a great many resources to help us along the way, both today and tomorrow. So uh, keep your head up, no matter what your leadership role is. Know that we will get through this. Reach out to those you can reach out to and and just know that, that we can and we'll get through this. And we know that because we've done it before.
0: Uh, all good points guys and i appreciate your time here i think that there's been a lot of good lessons again i think you just said it there at the end chris we you know we will get through this and we're going to get through this together and i think it's going to be um we're going to all be better for it there's going to be some cool lessons that we're going to learn there's going to be some new policies that are going to be put in place but at the end of the day we're going to continue to grow in emergency services and public safety so a big thank you to both of our guests tony and chris To hear additional episodes or learn more, visit us at hxgnspotlight.com, and thanks for tuning in.